Are you a first-time dad struggling to stay fit? Have you ever felt lost or overwhelmed trying to figure out the best fitness routine for you? Well then stay tuned, because today I'm going to break that all down. Welcome to Fitness for Fatherhood, the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness to become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stacey Liddell, your host, a qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor, and a soon-to-be dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples to take control of your health and fitness to become the superhero dad your kids can look up to. If you answered yes to any of the questions in today's introduction, don't worry about it at all. I'm going to simplify everything and we'll explore the magic of consistency together, unravel the steps that allow you to craft your own personal fitness plan. I'm going to talk about a variety of exercises and how you can introduce them into your own fitness regime and tailor them to your specific needs. Before we kick things off, I want to quickly touch on the content of the previous episode of Fitness for Fatherhood as this episode builds on that information. So last time we tackled the broad benefits that fitness provides to new dads and I discussed the importance of setting realistic, achievable fitness goals. We also explored fun ways to involve your child in workouts to help you bond with your baby and you can be a positive role model for your child as he or she grows up. Today I discuss the importance of consistency, how to create a personalized fitness plan and I will share a range of exercises that can be included into your plan. So right, let's get stuck into the first segment and I think I want to focus on the pivotal role of consistency right off the bat and consistency is necessary if you want to achieve your fitness goals and I'll explain why. When it comes to fitness, consistency isn't just the key, I would say it's the lock, the door and the entire house. Now, silly analogies aside, consistency in fitness is about building small sustainable habits and making them a part of your daily routine. It's about converting these habits into a lifestyle. It's about making a commitment to yourself that despite the obstacles you face, you'll stick to your fitness goals for your long-term health and well-being. I also want to talk about the psychological aspects of consistency. And here the concept of habit formation comes into play. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to effortlessly maintain a fitness routine while others struggle to get off the couch? The answer lies in the power of habit. According to research, it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. One thing I want to talk about here is the nuance that appeared in the study. And a lot of the times people quote averages like I've just done there. And the problem with that is that none of us really is an average. Thousands of individuals distributed across a various data set then create an average. And oftentimes what happens is people find that they do something for 66 days. It doesn't stick as a habit. And then they think, oh, well, there's something wrong with me or or this isn't for me. This habit isn't for me. And the reality is, is in this study, some people took 18 days to form habits. Others took 254 days to form a habit. So if you're sitting on that 254-day spectrum, so if you're someone who takes 254 days to form a habit, unfortunately, it means it's going to take about eight months for you to set down habits, which might be discouraging. But just bear in mind that there are huge differences between individuals. And this just means that you're going to have to work a little bit harder to establish habits. What the 66 days does mean, however, is that most people do cluster around that 66-day time frame. And this means that for most of you, if you can get yourself into the gym or go for a run every day for just over two months, there's a good chance it'll become a regular part of your life. But habit formation is a little bit more complex than simply repeating an activity. It also involves a reward system. If the brain starts to associate exercise with positive feelings such as satisfaction, achievement, or the euphoria of runner's high, then the habit is more likely to stick. So don't just go through the motions. Find something that you love about exercise and then hone in on that feeling. Use it to your advantage when developing a habit. Something interesting that I've noticed over the last year is that I'm struggling 
with my motivation to go to gym. I still go, but it's something that never used to be an issue for me. And one of the things I think that's happened is I used to use a pre-workout before gym and it was heavily stimulant based. And so I think it was kind of a trigger for me to get amped to go to gym. And by taking it, I think it would also get me ready psychologically for going to gym. And once I dropped that out of my pre-workout routine, I think that I had this slump in energy. And by changing my routine, I think it affected my motivation. So what I've done now is once a week, and it's normally after my leg day because leg day is the day that I feel least motivated to do the work because it's a heavy day of lifting. I now will reward myself with a Baskins and Robbins ice cream after I train. And I know it might sound counterintuitive to getting healthy and fit to eat ice cream, but something I've spoken about in the past is trying to hit those dieting goals 80 to 85% of the time and then allowing some flexibility in there when it makes sense. And I think having an ice cream once a week is a perfect amount and a perfect compromise to make if it's going to motivate me to keep going to gym. All right, so if you understand the importance of consistency and the psychology of habit formation, it doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to experience no barriers to exercise. Like I just described there for you, I'm feeling a barrier with motivation and trying to find ways to overcome it. And so motivation can be a problem. And I know for many of you, time is a huge concern. You have a busy schedule and you can't fit training in. Then there are those of you who may not have access to gym facilities. Maybe either membership is too expensive or you live further away and you live in a place that doesn't have a gym. And I just want you to remember that these barriers are not roadblocks. And every barrier can be overcome with just a little bit of planning and foresight. For those of you who are short on time, I would say consider HIT training. That's high intensity interval training. Now I'm not saying that all of my suggestions are the best suggestions out there. I'm just trying to help you jump over some of these barriers that sometimes crop up in our lives. The great thing about a HIIT workout is that you can do it in less than 30 minutes and it does offer significant health benefits. If motivation is your issue, maybe try setting goals and make sure they are specific using that SMART framework that I talked about last week. Another thing that's great if you lack motivation is working out with a gym buddy. A gym buddy is a great way to hold you accountable. It's much harder to flake out on somebody if you know that they're expecting you to be at gym, right? If you can't access a gym, then this isn't as big a problem as many of you might think. There are a lot of bodyweight exercises or outdoor activities, like going for runs, or if you have a bicycle, you can do a cycle. With a little bit of creativity and commitment, maintaining a consistent exercise routine is possible for everyone. So before I move on, I just want to say that the importance of consistency cannot be overstated. It's through regular and repeated exercise that you are going to achieve your fitness goals. And understanding the psychological aspects of habit formation can give you the tools to maintain a fitness routine. Furthermore, acknowledging and finding ways to overcome barriers will help you to maintain that all-important consistency. And remember, the key is to start small, make it enjoyable, and stick with it. Your body, mind, and overall health will thank you in the long run. All right, so this next part of the show is a bit lengthy. So if you're someone who's short on time, what I recommend is that you listen to this episode in bits and pieces and then take the best parts and use them to your advantage. And so let's dive into the creation of an effective and personalized fitness plan. It's easy to feel overwhelmed when deciding where to start on your fitness journey. There are so many exercises. You see new fad diets popping up almost every week. And then there's countless experts online who will hand out advice as well. And I guess here I'm falling into that latter category, but I'm hoping that my advice is 
reasonable and logical and that some of you can benefit from it. The long-term key to success when designing your fitness plan is that it's going to be specifically tailored to your needs, goals, and lifestyle. If your plan doesn't match these three things, you're going to struggle to keep up with the motivation to continue doing the workouts. I like to talk about things in analogies and metaphors. I think it helps people remember things. And let's just look at it this way, right? If you're not trying to become Mr. Olympia and walk onto a bodybuilding stage, it's not always necessary to train like Mr. Olympia. And it's certainly not necessary to eat like Mr. Olympia. Okay, so I think here it's also important to touch on the evolution of my training and how I've adapted and changed my training. When I was competing as a physique athlete, I was training six or seven times a week, actually sometimes more than that, because I was also a university student, so I had a lot more time. And there were other reasons why I could train as hard as I did. And I'll be happy to speak more in depth about my past as a bodybuilder, if that's something you guys are interested in. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because today, in my current life, I just simply don't have the time to train like that. And it doesn't affect my body as much. In actual fact, I've got more time to recover now, so I'm able to maintain my physique with just three hard workouts a week, normally lasting around about an hour to an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm hoping that you can see this highlights how when my goals changed, I'm no longer competing and stepping on stage, my goals also changed to match what I'm trying to do in life. I guess another throwback would be in high school and in university, I also played a bit of rugby. So when I was training for rugby, the predominant training was rugby focused, right? And then I would do some strength work maybe two or three times a week, but it was predominantly body weight stuff and functional training that tried to match up and link with the rugby training. So as my fitness goals have changed, so has my training and my style of training. And I think that it's important to remember this because at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some level of enjoyment from your fitness routine. And I think part of that enjoyment is going to come from your goals and your fitness program linking into your lifestyle, as I already said. Another thing that I see a lot of people doing is trying to follow along these cookie cutter programs. So they are these broad general programs. And that's okay if you're a beginner, because as a beginner, you're probably going to find growth or weight loss in any fitness regime that you do. That's because your body is untrained. So it's likely that you're going to benefit from practically any form of physical exercise. But as you get more advanced, a personal fitness plan isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. You're going to need a unique blueprint that's going to help guide you on your health and fitness journey. I want you to think of your fitness plan as a roadmap to get to your desired destination. And that destination is going to be different for everybody, right? I know some of you want to lose weight. Others are trying to build muscle. Some are trying to do both at the same time. Other people are more concerned with increasing their endurance or developing and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So it's important to bear in mind that some exercises are so good that they could almost be included into any training or fitness regime. And one that comes to mind immediately is something like a squat. The squat is so great for any fitness program that I would almost include it into everyone's program. There will be those people that can't do the squat because of injury and in that case, we would find something to substitute for the squat to help with injury management. Okay, so in this segment, I want to explore the fundamental steps in creating a personal fitness plan from identifying your fitness goals and evaluating your current fitness level to selecting the right exercises and diet and reviewing your progress regularly. Keep in mind, a fitness plan isn't carved in stone. It's a flexible, evolving guide that changes with your fitness levels preferences, and life circumstances. This flexibility can be a huge motivator because it allows you to make adjustments along the way, ensuring that your fitness journey remains engaging, achievable, and enjoyable.
by the end of the segment, I hope that you'll have the knowledge and confidence to craft a personal fitness plan that is effective, sustainable, and uniquely yours. As we proceed, please remember that your fitness journey is just that, a journey. I don't want you to worry about perfection. I want you to think about progression. Let's begin with identifying and setting your personal fitness goals. So right at the start, what I advise anybody to do who's pursuing a change in their fitness regime is to assess your current fitness level and understand your fitness goals. You need to understand and assess your current fitness level and identify your fitness goals because this is the first and crucial step in developing your personal fitness plan. This is something that everybody can do. You don't need to have access to a gym or a personal trainer. And I'll give you some examples of what I mean by that. So you might want to consider factors such as your weight. If you feel you're overweight, weight is a good thing to start off. You can mark down your weight on a, on a given date. And then you can also look at your body composition. When you look in the mirror, do you see a lean, muscular physique? Or do you see a bit of a beer belly or some man boobs or moobs as they call them? And do you think that you could do with losing some body fat and changing that body composition? You could also use a simple measuring tape like they use in the tailoring industry. And you can measure your waist, your hips, your thighs, your belly, right? These can all serve as benchmarks for progress, especially if your goal is related to weight management or muscle gain. Remember, you can use that tape measure also to measure the size of muscle bellies, so around your biceps, around your calves, and things like that to monitor if you're growing your muscle size. The next thing I want to consider is talking about cardiorespiratory fitness. Now, in an ideal world, you'll be able to access these extremely high-level facilities for VO2 max. But I know in my current situation, I don't have access to those kinds of things. So how can we gauge our cardiorespiratory fitness? Simple things, right? When you're climbing a flight of stairs, do you feel winded and out of breath when you reach the top? Or how far can you walk and how quickly can you walk, jog or run? You can test these parameters by going on a walk or a jog or a run, and these will provide insights into your current endurance level. Another important area is strength training, and this is something that is really my bread and butter. And you can test this on your own. If you don't have access to a gym, you can start with push-ups. How many push-ups can you do? How many sit-ups can you do? How many pull-ups can you do? Obviously, if you do have access to a gym, then you can test your strength using machines or free weights and you can see how many reps can you do on certain key movements such as bench press, overhead press, squats and deadlifts and then from there you can track your progress. And then lastly, I don't want to forget about flexibility. I think this is something that a lot of people just skip over and I think being supple or having a level of flexibility is very important. So can you touch your toes while you stand up with your legs straight? Or how wide can you stretch your arms? Or can you touch your hands behind your back? And regular stretching can improve this, and you can also see your progress in time. I found that I really struggle with flexibility, and I think part of my problem is over the past eight or nine years, through my style of training, I've developed a bit of muscle, and I think being muscle-bound restricts my flexibility, and it's something that as I get older, I think I'll focus more and more on once my muscle mass starts to decrease with age. And another thing I want to say here is that I want you to please remember that these assessments are not about comparisons or reaching a certain standard. Instead, I want them to serve as your personal baseline to track your improvements over time. Don't compare yourself with other people. That's not what this is about and it's not beneficial in any way because you're competing against yourself in this competition. The goal here is to beat your own best every day, week, month and year. After assessing your current fitness level, 
it's a good idea to identify your fitness goals. As a new dad, your goals might revolve around having more energy to keep up with your little ones, reducing stress, or losing the dad bod that you've curated over the last few years. Or perhaps you just want to stay in overall good health. Remember to focus on what you want and make your goal specific. For example, you can say, I want to run a five-kilometer race by the end of the year, for example. Or maybe you want to push a certain weight, like I want to bench press 100 kilograms by the 5th of August. Or perhaps you have a certain level of body fat percentage in mind that you'd like to get down to. So I want to be at 15% body fat by the end of the year or something to that effect. One thing I do see a lot of people talking about is weight and BMI. And I want you to be very careful with these kinds of metrics and I'll explain why. My biggest problem with just measuring weight is that weight says nothing about the composition of your body. For example, I used to weigh 63 kilograms. I now weigh 75 kilograms. But I'm far healthier today than I was in my early 20s. And if you just went off weight, it looks as if I've just picked up a lot of weight. But most of the weight that I've put on is muscle mass. So in that sense, weight would be a very poor metric for me to use because it wouldn't be able to capture the weight change of muscle that I've put on. And perhaps if you just looked at my weight on a graph, you'd think, oh, that guy's gotten fat over the last eight or nine years, right? The other thing that I mentioned was BMI. And BMI, again, has a real problem dealing with muscular and athletic individuals. So for untrained individuals, BMI tends to be a very good proxy for your health but as you lose fat and put on muscle you're going to start seeing strange things with BMI. Again personal anecdote if I go for a BMI test it shows that I'm overweight not quite obese but overweight and I am currently sitting on about 14% body fat so I'm not overweight in any sense but because of the way the BMI test is calibrated it looks as if I have a weight problem because I'm a muscular individual. And these are things to just bear in mind. When setting goals, if you choose weight or BMI as a goal, you might be surprised or disappointed at the end of the road. As I explained in the previous episode, when setting your goals, I think it's best to apply the SMART principle so that you make sure that your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. For instance, saying... I want to lose some weight isn't really a SMART goal. A SMART goal would be, I want to lose 10 pounds in the next 10 weeks by exercising 30 minutes a day, 5 days a week, and adopting a healthier diet. Massive difference between those two goals. One is going to give you great clarity, whereas the other one is just going to keep you the waters a bit murky. Alright, and then I just wanted to mention that whether you have a personal trainer or are charting this journey independently, taking time to understand your current fitness level and setting clear achievable fitness goals can significantly boost your chances of success. Remember the aim is not to make rapid and drastic changes, nor is it healthy and sustainable to do so. I hope to encourage you to foster a sustainable, enjoyable fitness routine that will keep you active and healthy for years to come. Okay, so that's broadly step one covered. In step two, I'm going to talk about a variety of exercises and how to choose them because this is essential to keep your fitness routine both engaging and well-rounded. As a new dad, you want to build a plan that is sustainable and can easily be woven into your daily routine. Let's start by focusing on cardiovascular or aerobic fitness. And just to be 100% transparent here, I'm not the biggest fan of cardiovascular exercise myself personally. I used to play a lot of sport when I was younger and that was a great way for me to get my cardio in. I used to play rugby and squash, tennis, cricket, you name it. As a South African growing up in South Africa, sport is massive. So I had my fair share of sporting experiences. 
But things like running, cycling, swimming, just sort of pure cardiovascular exercises, I struggled to get myself motivated for them. And to overcome that, I started doing road running and participated in a race last year. But unfortunately, I do have a problem with my knees. And after the race, my right knee has never been back to normal. I'm still getting sort of chronic pain in that right knee. It comes and goes. And so I think swimming is my next challenge. And from next year, I think I would like to get into the pool and start taking it seriously. So right now for my cardio workouts, I tend to incorporate HIIT workouts with my kettlebells. And that gets me going and gets my heart rate up. And that's also another way for me to get around my aversion to cardiovascular work. Because when I'm doing the kettlebell work, it doesn't necessarily feel as if I'm doing a cardio focus workout. It feels as if I'm doing strength training. So my two cents there is to try and find ways to make your cardio activities fun and enjoyable if you're somebody who doesn't like cardio. I mean, I can't imagine anything worse than just going to the gym and running on the treadmill for 20 minutes. I would get so bored. Cardio exercises are activities that increase your heart rate and your breathing rate. The benefits of cardio are manifold. They help strengthen your heart and your lungs. You're also obviously increasing stamina, you're burning calories for weight management, and you can even boost your mood and mental well-being. Something that is spoken about very often, and I'm sure many of you have heard about it, I mentioned it earlier, is runner's high. Many people experience this after going for a nice long run, and that's a way that runners can get a boost in their mental well-being and their mood. There are also several types of cardio you can do. I mentioned some already earlier. And if you have access to a gym, you've got your treadmills, there are elliptical machines, there's the rowing machines, the ergo machines as they're called. And then you've also got the stationary bikes, all of which provide excellent cardio workouts if you don't find yourself getting super bored like I do when using these machines. Some bigger gyms may also offer classes like spinning, aerobics, or HIT classes. And if these kinds of things align with your interests and they're available to you, why not give them a try? If you don't have access to a gym or you prefer exercising outdoors like I do, activities like brisk walking, running, cycling, swimming, or rucking, this is something that I've really found interesting lately because of my knee problems, I can ruck without too many issues, are all great cardio options. And as I mentioned earlier, even activities like playing sports or dancing or playing active games with your kids can serve as cardiovascular exercise. In doing my research and listening to other podcasts, I know that the American Heart Association recommends that you should incorporate at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity cardio each week. If this sounds like it's unattainable, don't give up just yet. This could be 30 minutes a day, 5 days a week, or you can do shorter bouts of more intense exercise. Remember, any activity that raises your heart and breathing rate counts. So pick activities you enjoy. As a new dad, finding a continuous 30 minute slot might seem daunting but you can break it down into two 15-minute or three 10-minute sessions and spread them out throughout the day. For instance, you might take a 10-minute walk during your lunch break at work and then round off your day after arriving home with a 20-minute HIIT workout with kettlebells. Another thing I want to mention here as well is that even if you don't have 30 minutes of exercise for your day, some of you, it will be even less than that, This doesn't mean that you should do nothing at all. If you've got 5 minutes, do 5 minutes. If you've got 10 minutes, do 10 minutes. I promise you, if you aren't happy with the way that you feel and look, then you have to demand change. I didn't say that this would be easy to fit in exercise, but most things in life worth achieving aren't easy. So if you're serious about changing your relationship with fitness, you're going to find ways to fit it into your day. You have to make the time if it's truly important to you. Think about all the moments you spend scrolling on your social media 
or watching TV. Something that I did this year was I audited my time with activities that I was doing day to day. And I realized I spent an awful lot of time on my cell phone. And I've taken that time away and dedicated it to other things such as reading and exercise. By diversifying your cardio exercises and choosing activities you enjoy, you'll be more likely to stick with your fitness plan and reap the health benefits. Just remember, it's important to listen to your body at times and adjust the intensity and duration of your workouts as necessary. To make your fitness journey safe and enjoyable, this is a must. In the beginning stages of working out, you are going to probably experience a lot of muscle soreness. And that's why I like to suggest to beginners that you adjust your workouts around that soreness. And once you get more comfortable and you've established a workout habit, I then suggest that you start looking into ways to challenge yourself by looking into competitive events like running a 5k or running a 10k if you're a roadrunner or swimming a race in a swimming event. Something to keep it exciting and to keep yourself going and to take yourself to the next level. Alright, so as we continue discussing the elements of a well-rounded fitness routine, I want to turn our attention to strength training. And this is basically my bread and butter. This is the thing that I love doing. And this form of exercise is essential, not just for building muscle mass, but also for enhancing overall health and fitness. Strength training exercises work your muscles by using resistance, which can come from your body weight, a pair of dumbbells, or a weight machine. The benefits of strength training are plentiful. It aids in weight control by increasing your resting metabolism, thus allowing you to burn more calories even at rest. Now this isn't a massive increase in calorie consumption, but it is an increase nonetheless. It's also going to strengthen your bones, which can help prevent osteoporosis. It can also help in preventing sarcopenia, which is just the general loss of muscle. And as we get older, our muscle mass does decline and our bones do get more frail. So weight training will combat both of these things. And it's actually quite scary what happens with these kinds of conditions. As we age and we lose muscle mass and our bone density decreases, we become less able to do physical activity, which means we are less likely to do the physical activity, which then exacerbates the condition of sarcopenia or osteoporosis. So start now, start while you're young, so that you have the habit into your old age. I've heard many stories of people in their 80s or 90s who are doing just fine, then coronavirus hit, and it interrupted their gym routines, and they went suddenly downhill. And this is such a sad and tragic thing to hear. Obviously, it could be linked to their age, but I'm thinking there's more to do with the sudden stop and closure of gyms that meant that these people could no longer do their exercise routines. So if anyone tells you that older people don't need weight training, I think you shouldn't listen to them. I think that as you get older, it actually becomes more important for you to do weight training. And weightlifting can also help improve your balance, reduce the risk of injury, and even boost your mood and self-confidence, which I've spoken about a bit in previous episodes as well. When I'm talking about types of strength exercises, we can categorize them into bodyweight exercises, freeweight exercises, and machine-based exercises. I'd like to start with talking about bodyweight exercises like push-ups, bodyweight squats, lunges, and planks. These kinds of exercises are versatile and can be done anywhere, which is a great benefit of these kinds of exercises. They're a great option if you don't have access to a gym and you're exercising at home, or if you're very short on time. They can be modified to fit all levels of fitness, and this makes them an excellent starting point for beginners. The one caveat about solely relying on bodyweight exercises is that in practice, you will outgrow them at some point. While it is true that muscles respond to any kind of mechanical tension, and it doesn't matter whether this tension was generated by a barbell your body weight, or your mother-in-law, there is a minimum training intensity that is required to stimulate maximum muscle growth. The research shows that this is usually around 30% of your one rep max, 
If you don't know what that means, that's okay. I'm going to go into this more as we move forward in future episodes when talking about program design. And then we also have the problem of strength development, which will already be taking a beating way before you're exercising with 30% of your one rep max. And this is where weight training will be absolutely important and crucial because it's going to completely blow body weight exercises out of the water as you advance. And then with free weight exercises, such as dumbbells, barbells, and kettlebells, these are mostly found in gyms. Obviously, some of you may have your own free weights at home as well. And these can all build muscle mass and improve balance and coordination. With machine-based exercises, these are even more typically found in gym settings. I know there are some people who have the luxury of machines at home, which is amazing. And these weight machines are designed to isolate and work on specific muscle groups in most circumstances. While machines can seem intimidating at first, they can actually provide a controlled and safe way of lifting heavier weights, especially for those of you who are beginners starting out your weightlifting journey, and also those of you who are concerned about injury prevention for certain joints. I know for myself, when I was younger, my elbows didn't feel too great when doing tricep exercises, so I used machines, and then as I've gotten older, I don't know why, but my joint problems my elbows have gone away and so I now am able to use free weights and machines for my tricep work. An important thing to note is that when incorporating strength training into your routine, aim for at least two days per week at first. Now before anyone starts screaming into their phone that two days a week isn't enough, remember I'm aiming this towards guys who haven't been consistent with their gym routine and I'm trying to encourage them to go back slowly. And once you've established a habit of training, you may then want to look at increasing the frequency if it fits within your lifestyle. Make sure to include exercises for all your major muscle groups. I'm talking about your legs, hips, glutes, back, chest, abdomen, shoulders, and arms. And if I have forgotten anything there, I do apologize. The number of sets per muscle group is usually a function of your level of lifting ability. I recommend that beginners generally do fewer sets per muscle group and increase the volume over time. It's really tough to get into the nitty gritty of program design without sitting down with you and doing a full assessment of your fitness level. Another thing I don't prescribe is rep ranges and I will go into this much more moving forward in other episodes. But perhaps I can just share my thoughts on how I think about rep ranges. I studied to be a personal trainer under the guidance of Menno Henselmans. Everything is based in scientific research. And the science at the moment about rep ranges shows that 5 reps, all the way up to 30 reps, can build muscle. And it's more about the intensity and the volume of the exercise that matters. And in this sense, intensity means the percentage of your one rep max that you're able to perform. And then volume is the number of sets per muscle group that you do. So perhaps by giving an example, I can make it even more clear. If I can bench press 100 kilograms as my maximum one rep max, then if I'm training at 80% intensity, it would mean that I'm bench pressing 80 kilograms. So my intensity there is 80% because it's 80% of my one rep max. Then if I'm doing five sets, my volume is five sets for chest on that day. If I do any other chest exercises, I add that to the volume that I've done for the day. I hope that makes a little bit more sense. So as I continue, I'm going to assume that you are a beginner lifter and that you're going to pursue a two-day split which means you're going to be working out twice a week. You're going to have to decide on one of three splits that I would recommend. You can either do an upper and lower split, which means you're going to train your upper body on one day and then your lower body on another day. You can try a push and pull split, which means pushing motions on one day and pulling motions on other days. So a pushing motion, for example, would be a bench press, shoulder press, those kinds of things. Pulling would be more your biceps, so curling type movements, 
or your back muscles, such as rows, right? So you can balance pushing and pulling on different days. And the last split I'd recommend is you can do two full body workouts. And to round up the section, I want to just reiterate that there are both pros and cons to these kinds of workouts because I know that many of you are going to have objections saying that training twice a week isn't going to be enough. And as I said, this is going to be a starting point for a beginner who's trying to develop a gym routine. The benefit for such a person is that if they get bored of the upper and lower split, they can change and try the push and pull split, or they can then try the full body workout splits. And this provides you with flexibility in your programming, and this gives you the chance to find what works best for you as an individual. It also means that you have a lot of flexibility in your scheduling of workouts. If you miss your Monday session, for example, it shouldn't be an issue to find time in the week to fit in your workout. So, for example, you want to train Monday, Wednesday, something happens on Monday, you have to stay later at work or something like that, you then cancel your Monday workout, you train on Wednesday and you train on Friday. So you won't be missing many workouts with this kind of routine. This kind of program will also be enough for a beginner to see progress and by consistently tracking and increasing your volume, I promise you, you will make gains in strength and in muscle. And the nice thing about this program is that you can emphasize the lifts that matter most to you because you want to prioritize the volume that matters for your larger muscle groups. This kind of program is also great for someone who is busy, such as a new dad. And as many of you know, time is one of the biggest constraints of being a new father. You also have a lot of time off to recover, and this is great for new lifters because you might be experiencing what they call DOMS. This is delayed onset of muscular soreness. And this is a common thing for people who aren't used to training with weights. And it can extend for two or three days after training, sometimes longer. So I hope you can see how this kind of a program can assist with recovery, especially in the early phases of your training. And as always, I want to be transparent and mention that there are some potential downsides to this kind of training as well. As you advance in your capabilities, you may find that your muscle and strength gains begin to plateau. You'll also struggle to achieve the required volume necessary for growth as your muscles adapt to the tension produced by weight training. This may result in training for longer sessions, which could impede your recovery, and it's also going to be counterproductive to add more and more volume to try and squeeze them into just two sessions to accommodate your gains. You may also find that your neuromuscular efficiency starts to lag because of the infrequency of your training. Maybe to break that down a little bit, while you train or when you train, not only are you training the muscle to grow, there's also a connection between your brain and the muscle and how that connection develops and grows is also a function of how frequently you train. So in bodybuilding, there's something we call the mind-muscle connection and basically your body adapts and gets better at lifting the more you do a certain kind of lift, not just because you're getting stronger, but also because of that neuromuscular adaption and being used to performing certain lifts, especially the more technical lifts if you're wanting to get into powerlifting or something like that, where the lift actually involves a specific form and technique. Those things also develop with practice and repetition as your neuromuscular connections get stronger. But as I said, this is a starting point for many of you, and if you are a more advanced lifter, I'm more than happy to do a free consultation with you to talk about advancing your strength and muscle gains. And you can reach out to me by email. I'll put that in the show notes. And then we can optimize your training in a one-time consultation. I can give you some ideas. And I will be speaking more about exercise selection in the future as well. So if you don't know where to start with which exercises to put into your program, don't worry, that's coming down the line. Remember, it's important to start the weight that's manageable and focus on proper form. As your strength improves, you can gradually increase the weight of resistance to continue challenging your muscles. I know this is a big one for men. Don't allow your ego to dictate your lifts in the gym. I know this can be tough at times, but getting injured is not worth looking like a beast on your first few weeks 
in the gym. So whether you're working out at home or in a gym, strength training should be a crucial part of your fitness plan. Finding the right exercises and weight might require trial and error, but the health benefits are worth the effort. While it's important to listen to your body and rest adequately between training sessions to allow your muscles to recover and grow, don't avoid doing the necessary work even if you're a bit sore at times. Otherwise, you're going to make it difficult to form a habit of training if you keep making excuses at the front end of your journey. The last thing I want to touch on here is probably the most avoided part of a fitness regime. Well, specifically for me, inside of the bodybuilding circles, I found this was quite heavily neglected. And this is things like yoga and other mind-body practices. I believe that these exercises play a crucial role in any well-rounded fitness routine. For new dads, these exercises can be specifically beneficial in managing stress and promoting overall well-being. Yoga, Pilates, and even Tai Chi and other mindfulness-based movement practices focus on the connection between mind and body. These exercises encourage intentional movement, controlled breathing, and mental focus. They offer a plethora of benefits, including improved flexibility, increased muscle strength, better balance, and coordination. You're also going to experience an enhanced body awareness from these kinds of exercises. And perhaps the most valuable benefit lies in the ability to reduce stress and anxiety. Being a new dad, as I've said over and over, is going to be a joyous experience, but they're also going to come times of challenges and stress and pressure. Yoga and other mind-body exercises provide a platform to cultivate mindfulness, a state of active, open attention so that you can be present. This mindfulness can help you manage stress, reduce negative emotions, and boost your mood, making you more patient and present as a parent. You don't need a yoga studio or a formal class to start. There are numerous online resources, including video tutorials on platforms such as YouTube that can guide you through beginner-friendly routines that you can do on your own at home. Many exercises simply require a yoga mat and some comfortable clothing. A basic yoga routine might include poses like the mountain pose, which is Tadasana, or warrior pose, or for those yogis out there, Vira Bhadrasana, the tree pose, Frikshasana, and corpse pose, Savasana. Each pose has specific benefits, but all encourage a focus on breath, alignment, and mindfulness. The aim here is to incorporate mind-body exercises into your routine at least once or twice a week. Even if it's a brief 10 to 15 minute practice, this will still help you reduce stress and promote a sense of calm. Consider using this time as a chance to decompress, either at the start of your day, to set a positive tone, or at the end of the day, to release the day's tensions. If you're interested in going a step further, you can also consider meditation as part of your routine. Meditation is a practice where you use a technique such as mindfulness or focusing your mind on a particular object, thought, or activity to train attention and awareness and achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm and stable state. Just a few minutes of meditation a day can help ease anxiety and manage stress, making it a valuable tool for any new dad. And I think I've mentioned this before, but in my meditation practice, I use the Headspace app just because I like a guided meditation, and that's what I use it for. There are also unguided parts of meditation in the app, so it's really built and designed for anyone to use. And I really recommend you check it out if you haven't tried Headspace already. So in conclusion, yoga and other mind-body exercises not only help in physical fitness, but are instrumental in managing stress and promoting mental wellness. They provide a holistic approach to health helping you stay balanced in the face of new responsibilities and challenges that come with parenthood. Remember, finding time for self-care amidst the busy routine of being a dad is not a luxury, but a necessity. By taking care of your own health, you're better equipped to take care of your family's health too. And so today we've talked about fatherhood and fitness, as I promised we would in previous episodes. We've seen that juggling both isn't as hard as it seems, It's about clocking in just enough cardio a week, whether it's a brisk walk or an energetic spin class, 
we also need to flex our muscles with strength training. And it doesn't matter how you do it at first. You can use bodyweight exercises, free weights, or even machines. They all count. And let's not forget about the mind-body exercises too. These are great for both mental strength and managing new dad stress. Remember guys, this is a long game and patience is your key as well as consistency. Remember that personalizing your fitness routine is a game changer. It's not a one-size-fits-all deal. Your journey should reflect you and your values. This tailor-made approach ensures your workouts fit seamlessly into your life. There'll be things that you'll enjoy and most importantly, things you'll stick with. And that's where the magic happens. Consistency. I'm going to say this over and over again. Consistency is the real secret to achieving those fitness goals. So embrace what works for you. Keep it diverse. And remember, your fitness journey is a marathon, not a sprint. It's time to start taking action. Take what you learned today and apply it to your own life. I encourage each and every one of you to start drafting your personal fitness plans using the guide we've walked through in today's episode. Remember, fitness isn't a one-size-fits-all journey, as I've said. It's deeply personal, and the plan that works best will be the one that is tailored to you. And don't worry, I'm not leaving you high and dry. In the next episode, I'll be going even deeper. We'll be uncovering the secrets of optimal program design, discussing how to keep adapting your plan as your fitness levels change, and delving into the roles of nutrition and sleep in meeting your fitness goals. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. But for now, take a moment to hit that subscribe button, rate the show, and leave a review if you've been finding the content helpful. Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps me to keep bringing you the best fitness guidance possible. Until next time, stay active and keep reaching for those fitness goals.